through. It's getting me through right now. We're almost at year one. <laughs> year one. I think we pretty much are at year one, aren't we? Yeah. This today would have marked uh, a year since probably one of our last hangouts before we couldn't hang out anymore. Yeah. That we were, ironically, doing karaoke at. Yeah. Um, I think on Instagram or Facebook, one of those things that has the, you know. Hey, do you remember things? Hey, this time, on this day, a year ago, our, uh, our Devin Townsend show came up. Oh, that must have been a couple of years ago, right? That was last year. Right, but we did that at the beginning of March. No, we did it in February. It doesn't last matter. Last year. No, you know what? What's time? Yeah. I don't know what time is anymore. But at this point, I'm pretty much finding solace in, in beer and music. Alcohol is pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Shout out to anybody who's like, I'm not drinking anymore. Because I'm like, how? <laughs> how? Yeah, how are you doing that? Because I don't... I don't understand. I'm in awe and enamored, and I am impressed. But at the same time, I'm like, how? Hey, just wait till I start obnoxiously posting Scott every day. Every single day. I'm going to. That's what's going to happen on TikTok. Yeah. It's just going to be Maggie skanking all over the place. <laughs> day 35 of Maggie skanking. Maggie skankathon. Day 47. <laughs> Until this quarantine COVID threat is over, I shall skank a day. Skank the day away. Well, now you need to make a TikTok account that's called skank a day. <laughs> yep. Doing it. There you know it someone else already did Or it. maybe your your Instagram name should be changed to Skank a Day. Mine is Skank Pit. Yours oh my God. can be Skank, Skank a Day. day. <laughs> that could work. That could work. Aww, Welcome like to Rock it. Candy. <laughs> your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats from the world of music. We're your hosts, I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And yeah, I don't know. I'm tired. Yeah, we're all skanking it. Yeah. But. We are not talking about a white man this week. Thank God. So that's cool. You know what? We can chill with the white British dudes for a while. Oh, we are chilling with white British dudes for a hot minute. <laughs> Please, for the love of God. Yeah. We are bringing you a ladies. very interesting tale. Some ladies, some people of color. Some ladies, 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 ladies. ladies. Snatch. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Shaka Khan. Yeah, Shaka Khan. Shaka, Shaka Khan. Khan, she fucking hates that. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, it's so funny. Like, she's like, don't she ever. She did it to herself. Kind of did. She does say, don't ever fucking come up into my ear and whisper, Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Oh, no. If you did that, Shaka Khan will fucking deck you. Oh, she will. Don't fuck with Shaka Khan. She will ruin your day. Yeah. Because you ruined hers. Yeah. She was like, I was having a good day. <laughs> and and then some motherfucker, motherfucker <laughs> strolls up into my ear. But yes, it was nice to just read a different kind of story. There are no Liverpudlians in my story. Yeah, I don't want to say that word for a very long time. <laughs> there are no bad accents. <laughs> bad impressions. Yeah. But no bad accents. We probably should not do that, theoretically, in this episode. Oh, yeah. No. There's only one bad impression I'm going to do. But okay. it's fine. Okay. <laughs> I think it's fine. And like I had mentioned, beer, music. Get me through, mm -hmm. specifically the beer we have for today, which is Me and You from Brown's Brewing, a local hero. Local. Local hero, beer time. Local hero, hero beer, beer time. time. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yes, we were going to make a jingle now for like when we have a local beer featured on our show. Oh, that's great. It is I like great. that. Yeah, local it is hero beer, beer time. time. Local hero beer time. <laughs> yes, perfect. We did it. <laughs> anyway, yes, uh, it's from Brown's Brewing. It's me and you. It's a raspberry sour. It's quite lovely. It's a nice basic little raspberry sour, but I'm also like kind of getting sick of stouts. Kind of getting sick of porters. Kind of wanting that sweet, crispy. It's, we're we're creeping up on on no. springtime, yeah. so you want the lighter stuff, mm. that nice effervescence that comes with the sour. Mm-hmm. Got yeah. this beer. I'm sorry. I mean, ciders are cool too. They're fine. They're great, but I'm really fucking picky about them. Yeah, really picky. <laughs> ciders are hard, but there's always mead. Which you're also picky about. And you can't find it everywhere. No. Yeah, there's a lot of bad meat out there. Oh, yeah, there a is. A lot of it. I feel like there's a lot of people who make meat in their basement. And they're like, look, I made meat. And I'm like, you took some teddy bear honey <laughs> and like and you... left it in like a, in a <laughs> box. You, le- you left it in the teddy bear bottle. <laughs> so and you think made. it fermented and it's just moldy. You didn't do it. Actually, it doesn't even mold, right? Like it just kind of hardens and then you just have to soften the honey. I don't know. All I natural. remember having like a bottle of honey in our cupboard the entire time I was growing up. Like the same bottle. <laughs> yes. Of from course. when I was like two until I was 22. Because who's really using that much honey? None of us. None of us, None Actually, of us understood that you could use honey untrue. in anything. Untrue. I lived on peanut butter and honey sandwiches when I was a kid. That is so much sugar. Oh, I can't even yeah. stand it. As an adult, I just threw up in my mouth. That That sounds <laughs> disgusting. That's kind of like um fairy bread yeah but i would actually eat fairy bread i really want to try it because it's pretty much like like you had peanut butter and honey i had butter with cinnamon and sugar oh fuck yeah yeah that shit's delicious i would still eat that and if the butter doesn't melt all the way that's fine so good okay let's stop talking about this yeah stop talking about food and honey i don't know where we got into this yeah, let's let's uh let's dive into our our episode. Let's just get yes, balls out. All right, I'm ready so. to learn about Shaka Khan, Ms. Khan, Ms. Khan. If you're nasty, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if she would be like, "All right, that's fine, that's cool." She's like, "Whatever, just don't make me sing. I feel for you again." <laughs> yes, and I will cite my sources before I begin. I read the biography. Yes, biography. Who Shaka? Because it's Shaka with an exclamation point, all in caps. So it's oh, I thought it was going to be shock hyphen a, like shock and awe. <laughs> well, missed opportunity, Shaka Khan. Missed opportunity. No, it's Shaka through the fire. Oh, by Shaka Khan with Tanya Bolden. So she had a little, she had a little help there. For what it's worth, even Shaka Khan admits she doesn't remember everything. <laughs> she says. I don't know. I might be making this up. I might have this story all wrong. So my main source is also, yes, the horse's mouth. However, it could also all be lies. Yeah. So don't come for me, please. I did my best to double check. Girl was having herself a good old time. Too good of a time. Yeah. Let me just say it up front. Zero days of that heroin incident. Oh, man. I know. We we didn't even get to one. Mm, We haven't gotten back to one. We haven't Brian you know ignited this and yet. And it starts back, back at one. zero. 
Oh, heroin. Uh, our our old friend, I guess. That's what Gar- Simon and Garfield were singing about. <laughs> Hello, Hello heroin, heroin, my Miles. old friend. And then they're like, we can't call it that. <laughs> well, just put like darkness in there, I guess. Oh, yeah, that okay. fits. Yeah, that, that's good. Yeah, yeah, let's let's do that. That's, that's great. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of yeah. goth. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah, this is perfect. The weirdos yeah. would like it. <laughs> anyway. Dub the Queen of Funk, Shaka Khan, is one of the most influential voices in the world of R&B, and any soul singer worth their salt will attribute what they do to her influence. It should come as no surprise that a woman of color had her fair share of ups and downs trying to make it in a world built by men, a majority of them white. No way. I know. I've never heard this story before. (laughs) But since day one, she held her own and was not going to let others dictate what part she would play in her own life. In her childhood, she was raised by strong women, and as she got older, she was taught the life lessons of black leaders who were not afraid to fight for their rights. Her experiences very much shaped not only the person she will become, but her timeless music as well. And even as she tells it, she is her own worst enemy. She will fall into some of the worst coping mechanisms and deny herself loving relationships, but every time she falls down, she will rise back up better than ever. So Good for her. I mean, honestly. On March 23rd, 1953, after 39 hours of labor, Sandra Naomi Sally Page Stevens gave birth to her firstborn child, Yvette Wait. Marie Stevens. I'm sorry, how many women was that? Sandra Naomi Sally Page Stevens. So that was five women gave birth to Shaka Khan. <laughs> They really <laughs> like their long names wow. in the Stevens family. Yeah, that's a lot. There's a lot of names. Okay, gave and was that she her? She gave birth to her firstborn child, Yvette Marie Stevens. Okay, or Yvette Marie Stevens. Yeah. I'm always bad at pronouncing it. Yvette. Everybody. Yvette. 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 Yeah. Okay. She was born in a naval hospital outside of Chicago, Illinois. And was considered by her family a miracle baby, even if she was completely unplanned by her parents. With Sandra in a teacher prep program and having a scholarship to art school, while her father, Charles, a.k.a. Buddy, was just coming and going with the Air Force, a Pregnana Nancy meant it was time for both youths to grow up and get married. Danger ops. Get married. Yeah, they they were quite young. Buddy wasn't there when his daughter was born at only a mere five pounds, which dipped to 4.6 soon after. Wait, she lost weight? Yeah. Wow. Like, five is pretty healthy. That's, like, Mm, normal. No, five's... Five is normal. No, five's danger ops. No, it's not. Five is normal. Well, at this hospital, they consider... How about this? This hospital considered five danger ops, and then they considered (laughs) 4.6 to Super danger ops. Yeah, like emergency well you know what that's fine if they think five is danger ops then that means the kids get an extra care right that's fine yeah so mommy and baby stayed at the hospital for two weeks until yvette was healthy enough to go home both of her parents worked numerous odd jobs to support their family but sandra was truly the inspiration becoming the breadwinner and embracing her role as now a provider nice yeah at one point buddy basically broke his ankle and his job offered a desk gig to her mom because they're like they felt bad and they're like well you can't work right now but you could so why don't you come work and then like she like made her way up to like a fucking manager that's so interesting that they gave her the job and didn't give buddy the desk job 
Yeah, that's interesting. But well, I guess if it's like a secretarial it's job, the 50s, they're they're not going to give it to give Buddy it to a man. No, they'll okay. like. Do you got a vagina at home who wants this job? You do. Great. Great. Vaginas <laughs> know how to work. Telephones. Wonderful. <laughs> Dicks don't. Vaginas do. Dicks are rude on the phone. Vaginas are so sweet on the phone. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> The Stevens were poor, but not deprived. With both parents being big lovers of art, there were always lovely collections hanging in their home, and they were creative enough to recycle things that they found into useful objects like lamps or tables. It was a pretty fun place to be as a kid growing up. This this sounds like my home, currently. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, we're artsy. Hey, look at this We're table. not afraid to dumpster dive. Right? It- Craigslist free section is great. Yo, I brought home a table last week. I heard. It's nice. Jeremy did not (laughs) like it. He's like, why did you bring trash home? And I'm like, we're going to make it nice. Because that's what you do when you're kind of (laughs) poor. And you have a lot of student loans. I was going to say, like, I'm like, you've clearly never been kind of poor, have you? (laughs) Clearly. You grew up in Massachusetts, didn't you? No one's poor in Massachusetts. (laughs) No one, I say. (laughs) Her parents were also big lovers of music. Buddy loved to sing, and at night, he would lull Yvette to sleep with the songs of Nat King Cole and Frank Sinatra. That is adorable. Right? And then Sandra, on the other hand, had a natural rhythm and could dance all night long. It was clear that Yvette had some pretty talented genes that were going to be passed on to her. But it wasn't always a fun picnic time at home. Sandra and Buddy had plenty of rows at night to keep their kids awake with. The biggest fights came when Sandra would go out dancing and Buddy, who hated dancing and had a broken ankle. <laughs> he was just vaccinated a broken ankle. He just constantly had a broken ankle <laughs> through her entire childhood. And then just turned into the guy from Footloose. <laughs> hey, John Lithgow. <laughs> Buddy morphed into John Lithgow with a broken ankle. <laughs> Dancing's for sinners. <laughs> Well, he always assumed that she must be out with some other guys. And no matter how much she said, like, no, that's not the truth. He just wasn't going to believe her. Maybe she's just dancing. She's dancing. She just wants to dance. But also, he was pretty drunk a lot. Ah. So Ah. one, Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. One particularly intense night, the two turned quite physical, and Sandra ended up cutting Buddy, getting blood all over their couch. She called the cops and asked them to to get him to leave her alone. But he was drunk and decided fighting the cops was a good idea. Oh, no. Which it wasn't. No, it was buddy, a bad no. idea. Bad idea. Mm. Bad idea, buddy. <laughs> the kids had been used to these incidents, a big fight, and then they'd make up. But this time was different. This time, her dad didn't come back. He left them for good. And as far as Yvette was concerned, it was her mother's fault for attacking him and driving him away. And it would be oh, no. several years before Buddy would be back in her life again. No. Yeah. No, Shaka, no. Yeah. Did not did not like her mom for that. I get it, but I hope later on she started to understand. In, in her book, like she reflects on a lot of these feelings and said, you know, I didn't understand my mom's side of this. Of course. All I saw is like my dad left. And, and it didn't was my understand. mom's fault. Right. And didn't understand. My dad didn't come around because he didn't want to pay child support. Oh. Gotcha. Buddy is an interesting... I wouldn't call him a rad dad, but I wouldn't call him a good dad. Anyway. (laughs) So from that time forward, Yvette was raised by her mother, grandmother, aunts, 
cousins, basically a house of bad bitches. So now the five names make sense. Yeah. I am just picturing her being raised by a Voltron of awesome ladies. <laughs> like being walked to, to school by Voltron. Bad bitch Voltron activate and like Sandra's the yeah. head and one of them's the arm. Yeah. Now, Yvette, I want you to know they know there's bullies there and they're making fun of you, but you just turn around and you fucking punch them in the face and then you run. Okay. There, there was an incident where she was getting bullied at school and she got beat up and she decided in order to protect herself, she was going to bring a knife to school. But it was what? the one time that she didn't get, it wasn't like a big knife, it was like a little knife. But she, of course, <laughs> didn't get bullied that day and someone found out she had a knife, so she got in trouble for having a knife. <laughs> What? Of course yeah. it happens that way. Yeah, of course it does. I have the same kind of luck that she does. Right? She's like, oh, that was the one day you're not going to beat me up? Great. Thanks. <laughs> but yes, they all influenced her in different ways and showed her the power that a bonded group of women can have. Around the age of 11, she and her sister, Yvonne, ache, yeah, I'm sorry. Yvette and Yvonne. I get it. Those are gorgeous names and I love them. Yes. It's just very weird when I hear sisters are named. Those Similar? Things. Yes. Also, they didn't usually call her Yvonne. They called her Bonnie. I mean, that's fine. But also, why? But if you're going to name her a kick-ass named... thing like Yvonne. Yvonne why call her Bonnie? You know what? I don't know. I feel like this year, I've, our episodes have just been full of people who are given one name and just called something completely yeah. different. <laughs> well, they decided to start a girl group with their friends, Finesse and Nikki. They called themselves the Crystalettes, and they took their act beyond singing together in their bedrooms. Quickly, they jumped on the talent show scene and ended up actually winning a lot of them. Side note. Mm-hmm. Their biggest competition was another girl group called the Heavenly Sunbeams, who would change their name a few more times before ultimately becoming the group known as Emotion with the classic hit Best of My Love. Uh. You got the best of my love. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Yeah. Awesome. I just that thought that heavenly was sunbeams. That's adorable. They, they initially were like a Christian girl group. Well, and then they what? realized that pop music was going to get them more votes. You know what? Jesus don't want you for a sunbeam. So change your name and get into the disco scene. <laughs> oh, yes, please, though. Despite being enamored with music, she never saw herself having a career with it. She dreamed of being an archaeologist in Egypt and even for a time thought about becoming a nun. Well, I feel her in that Egyptology thing. Yeah, right? I really wanted to do that. Yeah, she loved the idea of going to exotic places and looking up, you know, their cultures and things. Yeah, yeah she thought that was the coolest shit. <laughs> but once Yvette was in high school, the thought of wearing the habit was far from her mind. Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't even see Sister Act and wanted to be a nun. I was just going to say, unless she was in Sister Act, I don't, I would not want to be a nun. Not at all. No. Instead, she was focused on being a bit of a problem child. <laughs> she yes. was a bit of a problem child. <laughs> Years of being surrounded by fiery women gave her confidence. And her father abandoning them gave a chip to, gave her a chip on her shoulder so she could take it out on her mother. Of course. Because teenagers are the worst. From mouthing off to her stepfather, to playing hooky, to staying out late drinking, Yvette did whatever she pleased and refused to let anyone hold her back. That teen angst took hold and she let it be her guide. Teen angst takes take the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> 
As if history repeating, one night she had an especially bad fight with Sandra, who pushed her up against the wall and managed to lift her off the ground slightly. Wow. And this was it. If it was done and decided if she was going to have to feel like she was still being treated like a child, then she wanted out of this shit. So she ran away from home. Mm. Eventually, she phoned a cousin who she thought may know the whereabouts of her father. And it turned out he was back in the area and ended up getting remarried to a white woman named Constance. They were Mm. both living like free spirits, getting high and listening to jazz and gardening. And that was all about that. Just being like, Yvette, who? I don't have a different family somewhere else. No, not at all. Well, it's funny when a child is older and like, you know, doesn't need as much to be taken care of how much easier it is to be a parent. Yeah. Yeah. This was the environment Yvette wanted to be a part of. And after a lot of negotiation, ended up moving out of Sandra's and in with Buddy and Connie. And also Bonnie came with her as well. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. But Buddy was much calmer now and had truly embraced his artistic side. Okay. Learning more about music, he became a photographer as well. He wowed his daughter with his pictures from Ibiza and would teach her a lot about his about philosophy. It's amazing he can do all of that with a broken ankle. <laughs> I mean, going to Ibiza is tough enough. I know. Just perma, perma, perma broken ankle. <laughs> I I was more or less reading this and be like, mm, that must be nice to like, you know, be able to go travel around the world while you left your wife to care for your children and you know make all the money to support all of them yeah and you and didn't then have to deal with any. her her daughter's teen angst and then because you left because you didn't want to fucking step up yeah. and be responsible just because yeah must be nice must be nice yeah hope mm. your fucking ankle is forever broken <laughs> perma broke at this time that began to learn more about her african heritage through school and arts programs like the afro arts center was a big thing back in Chicago back then. They would learn about traditional dance and music and would engage in lectures and poetry readings. Well, that's good that they had that. Yeah. Especially in a place like Chicago that had a very large black community. Right. And I think that's why they could have something Mm -hmm. like that. And it was here that she took part in a naming ceremony held by a Yoruba priest. When it was Yvette's turn, she was proclaimed as Shaka Adune Adufe Yomaja Hodarhi Karifi. That's a mouthful. And from then on, the world would know her as Shaka. Cool. And that's how she got her name. It was the 60s, and all that make love, not war shit was going on. But more importantly, the civil rights movement was picking up steam with the Black Panthers. And Shaka was here for it. Mm -hmm. She was in the perfect place in Chicago, the heart of it all, being led by Fred Hampton, whom she got to work with on a few occasions. Mm -hmm. She got so involved that she eventually dropped out of school, deciding that there was nothing left for her to learn there. She was much more interested in the real-life lessons that came from fighting for civil rights and encompassing the ideals of second-wave feminism. Well, shit. Yeah. Girl was like, fuck school. Just fucking, let's make some fucking equal rights up in here for the blacks, for the ladies. What are we fucking doing? But also, like, forcing herself to the front lines of it all. Oh, yeah. She was... Very involved with it. And I don't know a lot about, I will be completely honest that I'm a bit of an ignorant white bitch. 
and I don't know a ton about the civil rights movement or the Black Panthers. I know. But beyond what they taught us in school. Yeah. I know less about the Black Panthers than I do the civil rights movement. Right. I guess and I should is, say I don't know a ton about the Black Panthers. Forrest Gump is not a good thing to base your ideas of the Black Panthers on. Turns out. Turns out. <laughs> Forrest Gump being so historically accurate. Weird. Um, who would have thought? <laughs> Actually, as you get older and, like, times get more modern, you're like, that's a bit of a problematic movie. Yeah, like, this is, <laughs> it was really fun to quote Forrest Gump all the time, you know, five years ago. But now it's like, mm, it's a little cringy. Maybe not. I feel like going back to watch it, I'm like, mm, I don't know about this. Yeah. Mm. Um, But this year, very soon, there is a movie on Fred Hampton. It just came the, out. It just came out. I, I really plan on watching it, it this week really want to see it but i don't Ju- know how judas to judas and it. the black messiah it's on hbo yes. i don't have hbo so i don't know how i'm gonna watch it well, it's time to steal it from a friend hi listeners if one of you is willing to share your <laughs> hbo account with us we would really appreciate it thanks because we are very interested in yeah knowing more yeah yeah but also from shaka's book it's very she very much explains they did a lot of community work it wasn't all about like oh, fighting yeah. they and fucking violence. They paid for school lunches for yes! students and like did all of this amazing shit. But because of racism, racism? They, were, they were vilified and made to seem like they were literally classified as a terrorist group. Ashley, how dare you? I am not a racist. I have a black friend. <laughs> <laughs> fucking no, you're right though. And it's and it's such a fucking shame because I do remember in school being kind of taught like all oh, the black panthers were kind of the bad guys well, we were brought up to fear them right we were brought up to think that they actually were a terrorist group that they were just like this militaristic group that walked around in military form with like ak-47s or some shit yeah like they were ready to shoot people that is not the truth at it's all not. and as a matter of fact the fucking u.s government assassinated fred hampton yep period yeah and and Shaka talks about that in her book. Yeah, and there was no reason for it. No, None. and they talk about how his uh, wife was pregnant at the time and she got shot. She lived, and I think the baby lived as well. But she does talk about how at the time it was just such a tragedy in their community and how yeah. they couldn't even, like, most people couldn't even handle it because it was just so I, upsetting. Yeah, I can't even imagine that. Yeah, and she was just so involved that she just, like, for the movement, itself it's just it was so upsetting but yeah um i'm up and down on the book that i read because it is written by shaka and it's almost a little too conversationally and i feel like she misses some detail Mm -hmm. in her own life but she probably doesn't remember it either i don't know but it does she does a very good job setting the scene for like every era that she's lived through so i would i would suggest it because it is a quick easy read too yeah so Shaka and her sister Bonnie, now known as Taka, started a new all-female group called Shades of Black, where they would sing the songs of their African motherland, inspired by Miriam Makeba, a South African singer and ambassador. They even landed paying gigs and did a little bit of touring, but since Mama Sandra still had a say in their day-to-day, their tours never got them too far away for too long. But overall, the Shades of Black wouldn't have much longevity themselves, and would disband not too long after in lieu of new projects. Shaka ended up joining a band called the Babysitters, formerly known as Baby Huey and the Babysitters, but after Huey died of a fatal heart attack. 
not to make fun of it or anything, but it definitely sounds like a children's group. Oh, I know. Totally sounds like a children's yep. group, which is kind of creepy. Yeah, because you're like, did a child die of a heart attack? <laughs> no, they were all grown adults. Okay. <laughs> no one was a child. But also, it reminds me of the Babysitter's Club, and then I just want it to be like and then you think super like- 80s white women. <laughs> In like mom jeans and pigtails. And Shaka comes in, she's like, We need to fucking spice this up. Yeah. This is some bullshit. This, um, you know what? I'm leaving. <laughs> I don't need to be here. That's a waste of my time. This is not for me. This is a waste of my time. Oh, <laughs> this also didn't last very long, though, as they would disband after a year or so. But it was just all more experience that she didn't know she needed or wanted for her budding career as a performer. But that wasn't all she was getting experience in. She was also getting an elite education in drugs and alcohol. The two <laughs> best friends of most performers, especially in those days. Mm. Finally living on her own with friends here and there, Shaka would get shit-faced on the regular and usually have to be carried back to her place. Oh no, Shaka no. Yeah. At first, it was alcohol that would help her stay out late to sing with the band, but it wouldn't be long before she discovered harder substances. It was in this nightlife where she met the bassist for a group named Band of Gypsies, Ali Hassan Moedin Shabu Genghis Khan III. Okay. <laughs> More commonly known as Hassan Khan. Girl fell hard and quick and tunnel vision for the road to marriage. Wow. Mm-hmm. However, she was only 17 and therefore needed her mother's permission to get hitched. Oh, wait. Oh, oh. yeah. This- Train keeps a rolling. <laughs> and the train kept a rolling. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Ugh, I hate Aerosmith. What did I do that for? I was thinking more Johnny Cash. You went to Aerosmith. That was, you know what? I'm a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sandra, unsurprisingly, not super impressed with Hassan and obviously deemed her daughter too young to marry. So that blessing was not going to happen. Honestly, I am not opposed to Sandra here. No. No 17. one is. 17. Definitely is too young. She was just 17, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I brought the Beatles back in. I'm sorry. But anyway, this blessing was not going to happen easily anyway. One day, Shaka confided in her mother that she was Pergannon aunt. Danger ops. But she wasn't. Oh. She lied. Wait. wait she different lied. Da- different danger ops. Why? Confusion ops. <laughs> Her mom got those two kids right to City Hall so their oh. child would not be born out of wedlock. Twas a ruse. Twas a ruse. A few months later, she told her mother she just miscarried. Her mother's never going to know. I mean, her mother clearly knows now. She's never going to know. <laughs> Sandra still has no idea. She's never going to know. I'll never tell her. No one has to know. <laughs> Hassan and Shaka, the newlyweds, would hit up the nightlife scene together, going to shows and supporting friends at their gigs. One night, they caught a group called Ask Rufus, which had a female singer named Paulette McWilliams. What? Sorry. I didn't... Maybe I've had too much to drink already. I don't know. I thought you were going to say Ass Rufus. <laughs> what? Yep, you've had too much to drink already. My gorge. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rufus. Ass Rufus. Ass Rufus. <laughs> wow, we are children. <laughs> Ass. <laughs> so funny. God, so stupid. At least I can call him Axe Rufus. 
don't I, th- th- I hate that. Anyway, Paulette was dating Hassan's friend Howard, and the guys thought their girls would hit it off, and they weren't wrong. The two became fast friends, and Shaka became a big fan of her new friend's band. Then the two had a lot in common, especially with music. While one had the privilege of hearing her friends sing on the regular, it wasn't until Paulette was driving Shaka in her car that she got to hear her voice. And when she heard her singing along to a Stevie Wonder song on the radio, it caught Paulette so off guard that she nearly crashed into a telephone pole. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) Yeah. Two years later, when Paulette decided to try to make it with a solo career, she didn't worry about leaving her band high and dry. She suggested she be replaced by her friend Shaka. Initially, the guys weren't big on this, but once again, she wowed those around her with her vocals, and she was in. Yeah, don't doubt her. Yeah. Her, her name's fucking Shaka Khan. Yeah, right? What do you fucking know? What's your name? Ass Rufus. Rufus. <laughs> Ass Rufus. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, the timing was perfect, either for Shaka or Rufus, but likely both, because soon after, their act was caught by manager Bob Monaco, who knew about Ask Rufus before... But this time he was blown away by Shaka's vocals and got them signed onto ABC Records. Oh. Soon after, they were flown out to L.A. to record their debut album. Around this point, they decided to shorten their name to just Rufus. It's a good idea. Yeah, get the ass out of here. So they don't confuse it with ass Rufus. I'm pretty sure that was just you. (laughs) It's just me. But you know what? Now you won't have that mistake again. You know what? It doesn't even matter because I was definitely not born yet. (laughs) No. (laughs) Their group dynamic was pretty democratic and Shaka felt pretty comfortable in the studio with her band. She decided instead of looking for backup singers to just do her own vocals and overdub them to create that effect. Because it's kind of the best thing. Because right? your voice goes with your own voice. So Yeah. And like she saw the guys doing that with their instruments. She's like, yeah. you, I could just do this with my voice. And they're like, what? And she's like, I'm doing it. Bye. Take a lesson. Yeah. And actually, funny little side story. Right before they went out to L.A. as rufus to start recording Mm -hmm. they had actually been out to la before because ike turner brought them out oh no oh yes and he wanted shaka to join um the ikeettes as like a background ikeett yeah to tina i think so right because that's what the ikeettes were right they were background singers to tina or to ike was this before he met tina I don't think I didn't go deep into this, but the point is like he wanted to hire Shaka and she was like, what year was this? So she was like 20. So that's probably early 70s, early to mid 70s. Yeah, yeah, it was early to mid 70s. And Tina must have been around the same age. I think they I think Ike and Tina got together when Tina was pretty fucking young. Oh, yeah. Um, So I'm going to say it's probably if it's not when he was doing shit with Tina, when it when it was Ike and Tina, then it was like right before that, maybe. Yeah. I honestly cannot remember. Yeah, I don't know. I, enough I about really Ike and should Tina. know more about Tina Turner, but I don't. Yes, I would like to know more about Tina Turner, not about yes. Ike. Ike Turner can fuck off. Yeah, Ike Turner can straight um, fuck off. But Tina, I'd like to know more. Well, there's always time. There is time. <laughs> Rufus's self titled debut grabbed a little radio play but was ultimately not really moving the masses. They felt they were going to need to do something bigger for the next album. Enter songwriting with Stevie Wonder. Oh. Mm. They asked Bob if they could get a Stevie original because they had done a cover on their previous album. Mm -hmm. And their manager came through. 
Soon after, they were in the studio with the man himself, where he played them a song they could use. It wasn't quite what they were looking for, and Shaka actually spoke up to him and asked, You got anything else? Ooh. I know. The balls on this lady. I know. The balls. But instead of being put off, Stevie asked her what her sign was. When she told him an Aries, <laughs> what? <laughs> what's your sign? I'm an Aries. Hmm. I got something for you. What is what is Stevie? I don't know. Hmm. But so Shaka many, so is many... very obviously an Aries. Yeah. If I had to like blind guess, then yeah. I would probably would have said like Aries, Taurus, Leo? maybe. Oh, I would have thought maybe a Leo. Possibly a Leo. Possibly a Leo. Either way. He's like, I got something for you. Hold up. And she worked on lyrics with him, and ultimately they came up with the smash hit, Tell Me Something Good. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. It's a Stevie Wonder song. That's how Shaka tells it. And she said that she let him have all the songwriting credits. Okay. So as far as I know, she actually did help write it, but let him keep the credits just because, like, she knew she was like, I should let Stevie Wonder so, have their songwriting credits for this. So it's billed as a Stevie Wonder song? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. And with this, they finally had that hit song. They even won a Grammy for it. This was giving Shaka a lot of confidence to be herself and really take center stage in Rufus. She became well known for wearing outfits that showed off her hat bad, especially her torso. Yeah, she looked fucking fantastic. She was bad. She still looks fucking yeah, fantastic. Yeah, no, no matter what, like, Shaka... She's fashionably fashionable. Fashionably fabulous. <laughs> yes. But it would only be a matter of time before her bandmates began to feel they were kind of living in her shadow. Because, I mean, like, look at her. Of course you're living kind in her shadow, guys. When you have a hot-ass woman who has an amazing voice and fantastic talent mm-hmm. as your leading lady, yeah, you kind of are. It's the no-doubt effect. It happens all the time. But not as obnoxious. Not as obnoxious because they're kind of better. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) her life off stage was getting a little out of hand, though. Her marriage to Hassan was, surprise, surprise, falling apart. And he was trying to have a non-monogamous relationship. And she wasn't having it. He basically came home and said, like, so I want to still be married to you, but I would also like to fuck these women. And she's like... No. I get it. You know, open relationships are a thing. Of course. Some people can do it. Some people can't. Of course. If you know your partner is not one of the people that can do it. (laughs) You're not going to do it. It's not. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. He really tried to force it to happen, too. And she's like. Granted, I I will give him credit for trying to talk about it. But it sounds more like he was like, nah, I want an open relationship. And she was like, no. And he was like, but yes. And she was like, no. And he was like, all right, I'm leaving. And, and she's meanwhile, like, he's like just shoving it in a chick's vagina. Literally, he's like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Literally while he's having this conversation <laughs> with Chaka. boning another chick. <laughs> literally. Like, mm, but I'm going to do it. Literally. No, actually, Shaka walked out on him. Good. She's like, nah, I'm not doing this. So she left him and actually began dating a guy she knew a little bit from the neighborhood as a child. And his name is Rasan. But also, like, you're married to Shaka Khan. Yeah. She's hot as fuck. Yeah. And you want to have an open relationship to fuck other ladies? Yeah. Where Where's your head at? Where's your head at? 
I know I'm I've been a I'm in a jukebox mood in my head apparently. I guess so. But yes, um yeah, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. But for some time she was actually juggling her two men, breaking up with one, then trying to work out with the other. Yeah, but at least she wasn't fucking one while she was trying to manipulate an open relationship with another. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Like but she also, just didn't he was know what doing she that, wanted. So like, but also like he was doing that. So, like, she can do whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah. Although I will blame some of this on the fact that she was probably, you know, also because she's dr- she's juggling different substances. Yeah. yeah. She's literally juggling heroin, maybe, I mean, at this point. Well. And coke and it's some alcohol and cognac. pot, which is nothing. Alcohol and pot is nothing. Oh, and then she's, like, got some cocaine in there. And then oh. she does eventually dip into heroin. Yeah. She really dove into that rock star life. Like, once Rufus was getting big, she's like, heroin. She's like, I have money. What can I blow it on? Blow. Ha! I like it. She was being dubbed by the media as the wild child and was getting solo cover photos on magazines like Jet and Ebony. It got to the point where the record company decided it would be best to market on her popularity and rename the no, group. you think? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we have this uh, black lady here who's okay at singing. Uh, real popular. Oh, she's real popular, but you know what? Nah. Well, they actually did the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they decided to rename the group Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. That's a lot, but I get it. That is a lot, but I do get it too. They but could also, have just shouldn't said it be Shaka Khan featuring Rufus? Or like Shaka Khan and Rufus mm. or something? Either it's way. It's weird. I don't... Yeah. It's, yeah. Kind of like television credits, like all these people, and then featuring the biggest name on the TV show. Like, why is it featuring? Yeah, actually, I do notice that they do that a lot. Yeah, like in music and TV and movies. So I'm not sure. I don't get it. <laughs> it's like they're a permanent character. They've been here like the entire time. Why I don't understand why character? all of a sudden they're featured. I. Whatever. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's so you don't make everybody else feel bad. Maybe it's contractual stuff. Oh, I bet. Like at least on TV shows, it's like we know this person is a really big name, so they're going to be featured, mm. so that when they realize how big they are, they can just fucking book it yeah. and go on to other things. Yeah. And I would say it was probably due to her increasing fame that the label questioned her when she came to them and told them she was pregante. But like for reals this time. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. This wasn't a ruse. They told her it wouldn't be possible to have children and a career, but she refused to believe that and carried on business as usual. Oh my God. They did the same fucking thing to Pat Benatar. I know. And pregnancy didn't stop her from wearing her usual sexy outfits. Good. And she would paint moons and stars on her protruding belly when they would perform. That is adorable. Right? That's super cute. But many would give her grief for that decision. And she just questioned. Of they would. Yeah, they said it was disgusting, and she would You're question. You're disgusting. I'm sorry. I've had a lot to drink. I actually haven't had a lot to drink, but I am drinking mead. Which you is... are. You're almost done with the I'm bottle. so angry. I still have residual anger from our last John Lennon episode. Oh, my God. She's like, I'm still mad. I'm still angry at these stupid white men. <laughs> Fucking white people. Yeah. I'm sorry I interrupted you. <laughs> And she would just get back at them and ask, you know, how is carrying a life inside me viewed as disgusting? Yeah. This is gross. I have a baby. Isn't this what you want me to do? Fucking motherfuckers. Anyway, 
On December 21st, 1973, Shaka gave birth to her first child via C-section, oh. Indira Malini, who normally is just known as Malini. That's cute. Yeah. But not sure which man was the father, she did know Hassan would not really be up to the task, and their relationship at this point was completely broken. Right. And she decided that Rasan was Malini's dad. And while he may have questioned it, he always treated her as his daughter. Okay. You know what? I get it. Yeah. I get it. Like, sometimes the real dad just is not up for the task and you know it. Here's the thing. She genuinely, I'm not really sure. And that's fine. Yeah. And if you have a choice, you don't do a DNA test and you have a choice between two dads oh yeah you're one of them is kind of garbage and the other one will treat the child like his own yeah whether it is or not yeah fucking pick that one yeah so i totally get it good for the two of them yeah (laughs) after a lot of chasing around shaka finally managed to make her divorce to hassan official and she moved to la with malini and it would soon become obvious that the label had a point in saying that being a parent, a famous singer was gonna be hard to pull off. It is difficult. Hmm. Trying to do it out of spite isn't always the best idea. Yeah, especially if you have a drug and alcohol problem to go with it. Maybe not. Yeah. But she did the best she could. Hiring- Wait, I hope she stayed sober while she was pregnant. Yes. Okay, good. She does state in her books for her pregnancies. She might have been like crazy addicted when she got pregnant, but once she knew, she cut everything cold turkey. Yeah. Good. She did the best she could, hiring a nanny to care for her daughter while she was working. But the long hours, the tours, all this time away from her daughter would build up the guilt in Shaka. And the only way she could escape it was through drugs and alcohol. uh... That's the only way you can get through it. No, it's not. Yep. There was a certain level of burnout on the fame as well. Their energetic performances seemed to attract the kind of crowds that were less about dancing to some happy tunes and more about getting so rowdy that Rufus could only get through so much of their set. Really? Yeah. Apparently, Rufus Rufus shows would get so crazy that they would only get through a few songs sometimes. That's so weird. I know. I would not think about that. I know. But, I mean, are they rowdy because they like the music that much? I think they were just all really inebriated yeah maybe both i'm gonna say both let's say both i'm gonna say both the band itself was dealing with a lot of inner turmoil it seemed after each album release another member would leave and need to be replaced and not everyone saw the value in shaka's presence she frequently fought with drummer andre fisher who had even gotten physical with her a couple times the rest of the band would have to pull him off of her i'm sorry yeah who is leading this group? <laughs> um, Andre doesn't want it to be Shaka. Well, too bad. I know. Andre. I know. Excuse me, Andre. Andre. <laughs> he would finally ha- be asked to leave the band after attacking Shaka's second husband during a recording session as well as Shaka. But, like, why are you attacking everyone? So, the story goes that... um. That her husband came into the recording studio because he actually is a musician as well. And he was helping out with some of the stuff and asking how one of the songs was going. And this is the guy who is the maybe father of. No, this is a completely different guy. I'll get into this guy, but his name is Richard Holland. And he was also helping out on some of the tracks and like just checked in and like, hey, how's it going? 
And then Andre's like, it's fine. And he's like, cool. Goes to the bathroom. Andre follows him. And he's like, don't you dare fucking tell me how to do my job. And starts beating up in the men's room. Shaka heard this, ran in, jumped on Andre. Then he started beating her up. And then the band had to pull him off again. And after this, Shaka said, it's him or me. And that's a pretty obvious decision. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking kick it andre like get the fuck out of here seriously (laughs) sir get the fuck out of here but yes that's right i did say shaka's second husband yeah when she moved to la she met richard holland he's the son of the couple that she was renting her house from okay and when they met she asked him if he had some weed he did (laughs) because that's the first question you ask anybody you well, just apparently meet. he came by to see you know hey my parents own this place but if you need anything let me know i can fix it she's stuff. like i need weed and he's like i got it and she's like great and they smoke some weed together and they hit it right off and oh that's nice yeah they did have a lot of things in common but their mutual love for drugs was gonna ultimately be their downfall cool yeah because when you build a relationship on drugs you know that is the most solid of foundations and nobody's gonna be a hypocrite about no, it nobody's gonna, gonna undermine stable. you nobody's mm-hmm. going to be like it's me or the drugs nobody's just gonna disappear and go on benders it's not gonna get super violent absolutely you're both no it's gonna be fine none of the things we have seen in the literal hundreds of episodes we have done in the last three years it's not gonna be any of that no none of that no totally different this it's time fine. this is fine But it was interesting because they actually had a much bigger taboo hanging over their heads, at least for those times. Richard was a white man, and many people were not cool with interracial relationships on either side of the spectrum here. Mm -hmm. They would both receive death threats and get told off for dating outside of their races. Even in super lefty California. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, weird, weird. Shaka was also letting go of her wild child image when it came to her stage outfits, Gone were the feather headdresses and bralettes, and instead she was donning more simple red or black dresses, kind of just, you know, being a little bit more mature. Hmm. She was beginning to feel that her outfits were taking away from her performances. I don't know. I liked them. I mean, I liked them too, but I guess I can see where she's coming from. She's like, I need to maybe like calm people down with a nice simple black dress. Hmm. (laughs) Everybody needs a good LBD. Right? In 1978, Warner Brothers offered her a chance to go solo and gave her a contract for her to do her own music. And she was all in, but stayed in Rufus for a few more years to fulfill her contractual obligations to record two more albums with them. But by 1983, she was done with Rufus, so they were kind of also done soon after that. Okay. Shaka's very first solo release came in September 78 called Shaka. I just like saying that. Shaka. You gotta say it with kind of a whisper. Shaka. On it was the hit jam, I'm every woman, it's all in me. Anything you want done, baby. I'll do it naturally. (laughs) Written by the songwriting team of Nicholas Ashford and Valerie Simpson, it helped to showcase her solo talents and bring her album to platinum status. And would be the background music to many a L'Oreal preference hair dye commercial. (laughs) It would. (laughs) A hit with her first solo release wasn't the only big thing for her that year. In addition, she was pregnant around with Richard's child. There's so much pregnancy in this episode. 
So like, much dangerous. I feel like I'm pregnant at this point. It's like I'm pregnant with my 14th child. That's what I feel like. <laughs> That's so where we're at right pregnancy. now. It's really only your second kid. I know. I just I should have done like a hey drink every time I say somebody's pregnant. Oh, drinking games. Nobody likes those. Nobody likes those. Despite being sober during the pregnancy, fighting between she and her husband only escalated. One night, their arguing hit 11 right off the bat. Oh, no. They went from screaming at each other to throwing hands. Don't bring Spinal Tap into this. It's not a good idea. Well, I didn't. After Richard got her above the eye, she pulled out a gun, loaded it, and pulled the trigger. What? Thankfully, he was quick on the draw and managed to avoid being hit. But she definitely tried to shoot him. She definitely did. Yeah. Girl. Well. Did he call the cops? She called the cops. She called the cops. <laughs> and then she lied and They're said so that she thought girl. somebody was trying to break into their house. <laughs> Hormones are a hell of a drug. There are so many mistakes in this. I have listened to too many true crime podcasts <laughs> and watched too many true crime miniseries on Netflix. <laughs> to be like, yes, this is what you do. This is exactly what you don't do. Yeah, like everything. It's like wrong, everything wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> My God, this is just like a fucking Excel spreadsheet of how many things you did wrong. <laughs> Actually, the police escorted her to her mother's that night. So she still managed it. At least they didn't escort her to the precinct yeah, i guess and like he didn't get in trouble either the cops were just kind of like look what do you need and she's like i'm gonna go to mom's they're like okay that's yeah fine. you do that okay that night she went to her mom's eight months pregnant and with a five-year-old in tow eight months yeah girl i know it would be about a year later that they would officially divorce but not before the birth of their son, Damien Milton Patrick, on March 22nd, 1979. I guess weed brought them together, but it couldn't keep them together. Weed. Weed will keep us together. <laughs> what is wrong with my brain today? Anyway, the 80s started off with everything coming up Shaka. She put out her sophomore release, Naughty, mm. and had a part as a choir singer in the film The Blues Brothers, and even her final release with Rufus was doing well. She was now a household name that everyone wanted to work with. Yes. Now, a few years prior to this time, let me bring it back for a hot second. Okay. She would form a working relationship that would last for decades and bring her one of her biggest hits. Oh. During a stay in San Francisco, she got a phone call from whom she thought was her friend, Sly Stone. She hadn't heard from him in a minute, so when he asked her to come by the studio he was working in, she didn't hesitate to head over. When she got there, she asked around for Sly, and it was then that a short, skinny dude with a big afro broke the news. I was the one who called you. To which she asked, and who the hell are you? Is it Prince? It was the late 80s, so you can't blame her for not knowing who Prince was, especially based on appearance alone. He was just on the precipice of getting big. Oh. And he's like, hey, I called you. I tricked you. It wasn't even like controversy territory yet. He like <laughs> disappeared. Just disappeared. <laughs> and initially she wanted to smack him for tricking her. <laughs> Don't we all want to smack Prince? At least once. But like sexually. It is. like I feel like there's sexual release in that for sure. Yeah. But with his charisma, she couldn't stay mad for long. 
He's got that charisma. He really did. She wished him luck on his album, and when she heard it after its release, she was truly impressed with what he was doing. Which one was it? It was just his self-titled first release. The one where he looks real weird. It's like he's shirtless, and he has a little tuft of like some curly chest hairs, and you're like, oh no. And then like the next one, you're like, oh, okay, good. You figured it out. Yeah. But she was especially impressed with his song, I Feel For You. Mm. When recording her sixth studio album, so now we're bringing it back to this time, mm-hmm. she felt she was ready for a Prince song and asked him if she could have that one. And had it, she did. I Feel For You was a top Billboard hit for her around the world. Mm-hmm. Featuring a solid rap from Grandmaster Melly Mel and the beginning with her name repetition was actually a mistake made by her producer Arif Mardin that he's like, nah, I'm keeping this in here. That sounds really good. <laughs> and a catchy AF harmonica solo by Stevie Wonder. Mm. It had everything. And while this song did a lot for Shaka's career, she felt a detachment from the album itself. It was very commercial and she felt that she didn't have much of a say in what went in it. When she won a Grammy for Best Female R&B vocal she was floored first of all thinking it was going to go to tinta turner isn't it hilarious how usually the albums that the artists hate and feel like they have the biggest disconnect with are the ones that are the biggest and the ones that win them the most grammys it's got to be something to do with unfortunately producers i guess not unfortunately that's why you hire a producer but like producers know there's something that they know. They're like, they know what's going to be an earworm. They know what the masses are going to want to hear. They know that most people, at least in America, are simpletons. That really <laughs> like just the super catchy things. They don't have you know to what? be deep. It's got to be and you can dance exactly. to it. Exactly. It's got to be and you can dance to it. Americans will fucking like yeah. it. I would say I Feel For You is probably one of the only songs on that album that she enjoyed doing. Yeah. Because at least, again, she had a say. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so when she was at the Grammys, she wins, she goes up for her speech, and she had nothing prepared at all. So all she could think of to say was, thank you. (laughs) And so a lot of people who worked with her felt like she was dissing them and, like, thought she was like, oh, she's a diva. And she's like, no, I just, I didn't think I was going to win. I didn't have anything prepared. What do you want me to say at the fucking Grammys when someone's like, here's an award? When the Grammys still mattered. Yeah. Yeah, this was the 80s, and the Grammys meant something. Yeah. Feeling she needed a change of pace from the fake and slow-going world of the West Coast, Shaka moved to New York City with her children. Yeah. But the party scene was just as big there, Ugh. and she was only going to speed up when it came to life in the city that doesn't sleep. Mm. Except for probably right now, because COVID's a motherfucker. But life in the big city did make for some good musical inspiration, especially when she got the opportunity to meet the one and only Miles Davis. Ooh. Yeah. They met at one of his parties and became fast friends. It was his advice that helped her through a very difficult but also very needed surgery. So she kept losing her voice. Her range was kind of garbage. She's mm-hmm. only being able to do like her middle vocal range at the time. Yeah. Her, vo- her doctor discovered she had polyps in her throat. No. And while that's totally normal, they would have to be surgically removed. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, she was not to make a peep during the two weeks of her healing. Or else she would damage her voice forever. Mm-hmm. Miles had a similar surgery and told her that he did manage some damage because he couldn't keep shut. <laughs> <laughs> so 
<laughs> so she took his advice to heart, stayed at a friend's empty apartment for two weeks, and avoided any need for talking by keeping herself in complete isolation. And actually wrote on a whiteboard, Miles Davis, so every time she thought about talking, she would just look at his name and be like, nope, yeah. I'm not fucking it up, Miles. This is why dry erase boards are God. <laughs> Yes, for this me- is it. for meetings that could have been an email, yes. and also for Shaka Khan. Yep, I like it. After healing up and back in the studio, Shaka got to have more fun and collaborate with Miles and Prince on the song "Sticky Wicked" for her seventh album, CK. They just jammed in the studio and had every intention of doing an album all together. That collaboration sounds interesting. It is. "Sticky Wicked" is a good song. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on there levels it sounds like there's a lot going on there is but in a good way not in a messy way yeah yeah yeah. unfortunately miles would not be around much longer for another collaboration to happen but musically she was succeeding in so much which is kind of impressive considering the fact that she had a very noticeable and unshakable drug and alcohol problem Mm. It was at the point where her mother deemed her not stable enough to take care of her children, so she took them away to raise herself. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So Malini and Damien went to go live with Sandra. But at the same time, I'm like, it probably was pretty bad. Oh, it was. So, it wasn't yeah, great. <laughs> it's probably a good idea that she did take them. Yeah. it's. I get it. I, I don't begrudge anyone for trying to juggle motherhood and career because like nobody fucking makes it easy right especially back then right but at the same time like shaka girl you need to get something together because you cannot be a mother and a drug addict and a singer it sounds to me like you need to take your shit Mm -hmm. put it in a bag oh yeah um you can bring it to the shit store yep you can sell it yeah you can bring it to the shit museum oh yeah if you want and put it on display do whatever you want just get your shit together. Yes. That's what you that's what you need to do. She didn't. No. Surprise, surprise. Well, I gave you advice and you didn't, she take, didn't it. take it. She didn't take it. Well, during the throes of an especially bad heroin binge, she felt like the walls of New York City were closing in on her. Like literally. Mm-hmm. Like like when they're in the trash compactor in Star Wars. Yes, exactly like that. She legit went outside one day and it was so bright and the sounds and the noises and the people overwhelmed her so much. She just had a complete anxiety attack and a total breakdown. She spent a week in her apartment suffering from extreme anxiety until she realized she needed to get out. Not just out of the heroin addiction or New York City, but the country itself. So she moved to London. Sure, that's what you do when you're coming down off a huge heroin binge. (laughs) It, to her credit... London was easier for her to live in because she was recognized, but she wasn't as easily recognizable. And people in England didn't react to her the same way people in America did. And presumably she didn't have any drug connections there. Presumably. Sure. I'm taking that as, yes, she did. I mean, (laughs) she got money. (laughs) If you're thinking Shaka is probably being a bad influence on her children needs to prioritize them more, you'd be right. Because we've seen again and again, absentee parents will see their mistakes in their children. Yes. Malini was following in her mother's footsteps and becoming a part of a girl group called Pretty in Pink on Motown Records. Mm -hmm. And they even had a hit with It's All About You. So they were doing good. Mm -hmm. And around the age of 14 or 15, she was Perganonant. Oh, 
Mm-hmm. Shaka knew she didn't have much say to what her daughter could do. There's so much Brigitte and Anston here. And again, I think I'm pregnant. <laughs> but despite being livid, she supported her daughter and would become a grandmother in May of 1992. So she was uh, 39? Yeah, she wasn't even 40. Wow. Yeah. Her daughter was like 14, 15. But you know what? I need to shut up because my family was like that too. So I have no reason to judge at all. I mean, I'm not judging because like my parents were probably like, I mean, my parents were like in their 40s when they had me. So here I am. <laughs> Even though all of this was happening within her family, Shaka would stay in England until 1998 when she felt she was ready to live in the States again and would move to New Jersey outside of the city. Ouch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Biggest mistake. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the shit's not together. Hmm. But she did have another big concern growing. Despite her albums getting high critical praise, commercially, they weren't doing as well as she was used to. And that was definitely in part to the fact that Warner Brothers weren't doing it diddly for her advertising wise. This is not surprising. No, it's not. In addition, they were constantly pushing her to produce material that was more commercial and Shaka wasn't having that. She'd been through the ringer and paid her dues. She should be able to make the music she wanted to make. Mm -hmm. She made the album Dare You to Love Me, and the exec shelved it, asking her to make something else. Fuck them. Uh-huh. In 95, she decided enough was enough and told them she'd make a more commercial album, but they needed to let her go once her contractual obligations were fulfilled. And they're like, yeah, we'll do that, because they assumed she was calling their bluff. And presumably they were like, this is our way of getting rid of her. Probably. Yeah. Because at that point they were like, oh, can you give us something more like Mary J. Blige or something? And she's like, bitch, you want Mary J. Yeah. Blige? Get Mary J. Blige. Right. I'm Shaka fucking Khan. BT dubs. Mary J. Blige and Shaka Khan are friends. So like, that wasn't a dig. Both of them are legends. Yeah. So. Both of them are wonderful. But she's no fool. In the end, she put out a best of album calling a, <laughs> called Epiphany. That's which amazing. Featured yes. a couple new songs that were actually from her album that she wanted to release. She fulfilled her contract that and is immediately amazing. departed. That yes. is an amazing fuck you. I feel like there have been a couple other bands that have done that. So like, mm, you want me to fulfill my contract? Here's a best of, but I put two singles on it. So it's yeah. technically an album. Yep. Bye. Wow. Good for her. Mm -hmm. Slow clap. For Shaka Khan. She fucking did it. She did it. She fucking did it, guys. And now she wondered, where do I go? She had played with the idea of starting her own label, but wasn't quite ready for that commitment. Luckily, she had friends in high places. And around that time, Prince had started his own label and happily welcomed Shaka to the fold. Nice. Then they worked together on her ninth album, Come to My House. It was the first time she co-produced and co-wrote most of the music on one of her albums. Nice. Many praised it as a return to funk for Shaka, but overall it ended up getting a lukewarm reception, and many say this is a great album that was lost to indifference. Yeah. Which I'd have to agree with, because I listened to a good chunk of it, and it's a good album. Mm-hmm. It's definitely got, like, some nice, good, funky soul vibes. It is a shame that it didn't get more praise. But Shaka didn't slow down. She's still touring working on new music, moving here and there, doing lots of drugs, starting to help out with activist causes and organizations to help less fortunate youths. Busy lady. Busy, busy bee. <laughs> In 
But after one crazy bender of a night, she still showed up to the children's art program that she was actively helping with. But she was obviously still high and a mess. And, like, everyone's, like, even the kids are, like, yo, you're high. (laughs) And she said in her book, I know they know I'm high because they fucking have to deal with this every day of their lives. I'm being that asshole right now. Wow. It was here that she stopped and really looked at what the hell she was doing because she couldn't keep this up anymore. And her sister Tammy, who was also helping manage her business, researched places to help her get clean and came across the Scientology Celebrity Center's purification program. No, no, no. No! Why did this go here? I didn't expect no. this to go here either. Why? I don't know. This I is so unexpected and I'm so upset. Why? I hate Scientology so much. I know. I mean, most most normal thinking people do. But also, Tammy, what kind of research were you doing? Yeah. Really? You yeah. couldn't find anything else? No. Nope. Well, apparently... This cleanses you of anything. Does it? I mean, Does anything. it? Um, I'm going to shut up now. They use a super sauna detox program. You just sit in a sauna mm-hmm. and meditate? Mm-hmm. Shaka was at least skeptical enough to say she wanted nothing to do with Scientology. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something. That's good. But she but. was assured there were no strings attached, so she gave it a shot. No strings attached? Only like... Three quarters of your income from the re- for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that fucking program cost her a hefty amount. Oh, I'm so angry right now. I am, like, fuming. <laughs> flames? On the side of my face. I mean, she's not lying. There are flames. It's warm now. But after eight weeks, she came out clean. A lot of that time was spent not just getting drugs and drug-based habits out of her body, but for self-reflection and learning how to love herself. Stop dating all these toxic dudes to forgive herself and to drop the regrets of the past and use the present to have proper relationships with her family. Please tell me that's where it stopped. With that Scientology. is where it stopped. Thank fucking Jesus. <laughs> Excuse me. Thank fucking L. Ron Hubbard. Because if it went any further into Scientology, I would have literally flipped this table and set it all on fire. No, eventually she does become like super Christian. So... I mean, I would take super Christian over Scientology pretty much any right. day. But basically, yeah, she does not become a Scientologist. Thank God. It's one of the few times this but works But you know out. what? At least it got her off the It got drugs. her off the drugs. Fine. That's fine. Yeah. If sauna is what you need and some weirdo L. Ron Hubbard, Sea Org, Tom Cruise bullshit <laughs> is what you need to get yourself off of fucking heroin, Fine. Fine. As the aughts continued and now sober, Shaka continued to work without missing a beat, making music, touring, getting parts and plays like The Color Purple, and giving time to charities and collaborating with others. Good. She's just back on track. She's trying to be a good mom and hanging out with her family. Like, being, she's making it happen. a boss babe, which we're not allowed to say anymore. I mean, I never said it anyway. I didn't either. That was literally the first time. So Honestly, yeah, I've never heard. Yeah. Gen Z can cancel me. It's fine. <laughs> But life would not stop throwing curveballs at her. In 2006, tragedy would strike her family when her son Damien would be on trial for the murder of 17-year-old Christopher Bailey. What? I know. Holy this shit. This is BT Dubs. The book ends before this. What? So all this is my internet research. Oh, my God. Yeah. Christopher was an aspiring rapper and friend of the family. 
Shaka was helping him by letting him stay with them while Damien was producing his album. Initially, Damien said they got into a fight and the gun went off on accident during they a scuffle that. when he was defending himself. But in court, he admitted that was a lie. Yeah, it's a lie. And he actually pulled the gun out to threaten Christopher after he told Damien he was having an affair with his girlfriend. But he did maintain that he never intended to shoot him. It was still an accident. I don't care. Don't have a gun. You Why don't do you need a gun? gun. Why do you have a gun and you're brandishing? Like, why do you, I don't. The jury found him not guilty, but still liable. And his mother paid $1.3 million to compensate Christopher's family in a civil trial. Okay. So it's like O.J. Simpson where it's like, you totally fucking did it. But we're not going to send you to jail. Well, but you're going to pay out the nose. It's kind of like... A lot of uh, a lot of situations like this where it's pretty obvious that this person killed this person, but like the but intent. there's no actual evidence that can link them to it. You just fucking know they did it. Yeah, the family of the victim can sue the person yep. who pretty much killed them. Yep, in in a civil court, and they can get money and, and basically have them say like yeah i guess i did it because i have to give but you like money. they don't they don't have to admit guilt oh that's right um they just have to prove that they had a pretty big hand in the eventual outcome mm-hmm. so therefore you owe this person the victim's family a lot of fucking money right so that's what happened so you're they're essentially <laughs> like being um convicted of guilt but not in jail. Not really. They they don't have to go to jail. They just have to pay a ton of money, which they're never going to see because that person doesn't have any fucking money. Well, I mean, Shaka probably. In this, in this situation, she did have. Well, actually, she's kinda. gone bankrupt, I believe. So, Anyway, Damien and his girlfriend never recovered from the trauma and went deeper into drug and alcohol addictions. Oh, no. So deep that Shaka petitioned for legal custody of their daughter, which she won. It what? seems what? history what? What? still has an unfortunate way of repeating itself. It's so crazy that, like, she didn't even regain custody of her kids, but now she well, is getting custody of her kids' kids. Her mother never legally took custody of her right, Shaka's children. Right, but it was found that she could not take care of them. Well, it was just her mom saying, you can't do this, and Shaka was clearly way too drunk and high to fight So it. no court was like... No, 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 no. Okay. It was just like Sandra walked in and said girl i'm taking your fucking kids like, sandra what? is the court okay yeah well, not okay she was up she was very upset yeah. about it but yeah but sandra was the court in this that time around shaka did have to bring them to court right so yeah wow yeah but if that wasn't enough 10 years later she would experience a painful loss with the death of her friend and collaborator prince oh but through his death, she was able to face her own problem again and checked herself into rehab to kick her addition to st- prescription drugs. She was still doing drugs? Prescription drugs. Oh. Because that's the new drug now. Nobody's yeah. really doing cocaine. Well, no, that's a lie. People are still doing cocaine and heroin. But, like, rich people are doing, like, fentanyl. And Is that is that a prescription drug? Yes. That's not a, oh, is it? it is very much a prescription I'm sorry. Drug. I'm really fucking dumb about this. Opioids. Yeah. The point the is. The oboioids. The oboioids. But, I mean, that's how prince overdose right because he was constantly in pain he was taking these crazy painkillers and the same thing was happening with shaka khan she mm-hmm. was in constant pain and, and she's honestly painkillers michael jackson was the same way he was taking mm-hmm. prescription drugs and his doctor gave him too much yeah so shaka had the same addiction and when he died she's like 
I can't fucking let this happen. Right. So she went to rehab. Good. And it was addictions that she was fortunately able to kick. And now she is clean and sober and working hard to still be there for her family and still create music for the world to enjoy. To her, being able to make new music is really important because as she says, quote, I'm sick of singing I feel for you. I just die every time I sing it, but I have to. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, I know, Shaka. I get that. I'm sorry. Yeah, some artists I feel like are okay singing that hit over and over and over Mm. again every night of their entire life. Mm -hmm. And some are just like, nope, I can't do it. I want to be known for something else. Yep. I mean, I feel like she's known for enough, too. She's known, I feel like she's known I, for a good chunk of songs. I know her more for... Um, I'm Every ev- Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because, was it in the 90s or the early 2000s, um, Whitney Houston did it was it the again? 90s for the Bodyguard soundtrack. Yes. And that was like a revival of that song. True. Yeah, that's true. Look, Shaka's been through some of the lowest lows. But she has made it through, and luckily we still get to celebrate her for being one of the first women to say, it's okay to be a strong, sexy, independent lady. Yeah. She finds things like digital downloading and internet streaming to be a good change for the music industry and welcomes it as a new way to consume music. She feels it's a way for artists to be more in control, not the labels. Literally the exact opposite of Lars Ulrich. Yup. She clearly isn't afraid of change, and she is happy to be on shows like Dancing with the Stars and The Masked Singer to stay in the public eye. She's done collaborations with newer artists like Major Lazer and Ariana Grande, finding new sounds refreshing instead of running away from them. And newer artists should absolutely embrace her. Yeah, they seem to because they would her not be dues. here without her. Oh, yeah. Shaka is a woman who has lived a life and helped to pave the way for women to follow and not have to deal with the barriers that she did. And she still wants to be a part of it and celebrate the singers who are still changing the way things are done. It's one of the reasons I have a lot of respect for her. That she hasn't gotten comfortable in her fame and will continue to be a part of the change that she's craved in this business since day one. And she never claims to be perfect. She's far from it, but she's honest about it too. All she can do is work on the now and takes it one day at a time and just encourages others to do the same. So she's flawed. She's very flawed, but she knows she's flawed and she tries so hard to to be the best version of herself that she can. She owns every flaw that she has. Oh, yeah. Completely fesses up to all of it. And to a point where she's like, I am so flawed that I don't even know if I remember all of these flaws correctly. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. if I don't, please correct me. You know, so yeah. I can respect somebody that 100% is like, I own these flaws. I own the shit that mm-hmm. I did wrong. And she's going to be honest about it. I just feel like Shaka doesn't get enough credit for what she's Not done in all. music. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> you know, I feel like a lot of people leave her out when it comes to. Oh, yeah. You know, especially attributing music. Or I'm sorry, excuse me. Women in rock and music women of color mm-hmm. in rock and music mm-hmm. you know i feel like a lot of people don't remember her well whenever anybody tries to mention um how funk influenced rock yeah and also disco and all of that mm-hmm. like influenced rock and roll they always mention like um george clinton oh and yeah the funkadelics yep um, they always mention people like that, but they don't mention Shaka Khan and Rufus. Right. 
when they were just as influential and just as hardworking in those genres Mm -hmm. as anybody else would. But once again, black women are always marginalized even more than black men. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not going to say that, you know, George Clinton was like, is always this person who is always brought up. And (laughs) oh, yeah, he totally had it easy. Not at all. No, of course. No fucking way. But like, whereas George Clinton is like way down here on the list of people that um that people mention as inspirations, <laughs> like mm. Shaka Khan is like fifty steps even farther down. Right. So like <laughs> I mean you can see it just from I mean, I'm just actually getting sick of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at this point. Because it doesn't it's going it doesn't the way matter. of the Grammys. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it's, and it's just, what is it, a cock and bull show or something? I think that's it. You know what? It's a cock it's and a bull cock show. It's a cock and bull show. Whatever. It's it's that bullshit, like, you know, look at me parade. It really is. And it and doesn't even matter. pat themselves on and the it's, back. And it's always for white people to pat themselves and, on the back. And always. it is interesting, too, because they've opened up to people like, Biggie and Whitney Houston, but you still haven't given Shaka Khan and Rufus their dues. And even when you open it up to Biggie and Whitney Houston, everyone's like, but why are they being elected? Yeah, it's just, it's. Put red hot chili peppers on there. Oh my God, but don't. But don't, because (laughs) I would so much rather see Biggie in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame than the fucking red hot chili peppers. If you want to put somebody in there that sings about California, put Tupac in there. Thank you. Can we do that, though? <laughs> because the Red Hot Chili Peppers don't need to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But, I, yeah, you know, we digress. Off on a tangent. The point Sorry. is, you know, I'm glad that I got to learn about Shaka. I'm glad that I got to share her story. I feel like we don't celebrate her enough. And, I mean, I like celebrating her not just for her talents, but just the fact that of who she is as a person because I feel like right. despite her flaws, again, she's very just honest and tries to be a humble, good person. And you don't get to see that a lot in the industry. Yeah. In absolutely no way would I ever describe Chaka Khan as narcissistic or superior to other she, I mean, people. she even people. says she has her diva moments, like especially when she yeah. was inebriated. Like sometimes she'd be like, oh, do I know you? Who the fuck? What? But... But I still have never heard of her being a diva. I've never heard of being like a straight bitch. Yeah, I've never yeah. heard that before. Same. So, but she definitely does not get her her dues. Yeah. So I hope go out listen to some of her tunes. Even like with Rufus and Solo, her stuff with Prince is great. Go go listen to some you know what Shaka Jam. Even look up a L'Oreal preference commercial because <laughs> inevitably you will hear I am every woman. Uh- Pretty sure that there was a commercial about a white lady like dyeing her hair in an elevator when she got stuck. Dying and then the my hair. <laughs> and then the door is open and she just flips her hair up and it's like, I'm every woman. Oh my god, no, I yeah. think I remember that remember commercial. Remember that one? I yeah. think I do. Wowie wow wow. Yep. <laughs> that happened. Yep. And Shaka Khan sang it. Thanks, Shaka. Well, thanks guys for listening. <laughs> We hope you guys learned a lot about hair care products. And heroin. <laughs> hair and heroin. Oh, can we stop having heroin episodes? 
I, we went a long time without heroin. We did. And then John Lennon happened. Yep. And, and he we just had spiraled to us back down. Restart the whole calendar. Yeah. So maybe next week I we am... can be one episode without heroin. Maybe. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out. <sighs> Thanks, you guys, so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it and learned a lot. If you are enjoying us and you're new to town, why don't you go check out some of our past episodes? You can go visit our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. And you can also check out our social medias. You can get the links to that. We have Instagram, Facebook, and Twitters. And also, you could toss us an email and be like, hey, email. And we'll be like, cool, email. We've gotten several messages in the last couple of weeks from yeah. people who have been like, Yo, we like what you're doing. Or they've got, like, or honestly, we've gotten some fun stories that people have about the Beatles. So if you guys have fun stories about Shaka Khan, we would love to hear yeah. them. We'll also take your stories about the Beatles. That's fine. Sure. We'll, we'll still, we'll still listen and respond. You know what, guys? I, I'm here for stories. You guys got a story to I share? I just want stories. Just toss it our way. We'll listen. We're gonna read it. We're gonna respond. We're yeah. Here for it. Pretty much. <laughs> But also, if you want to give us some money, you can contribute to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast. And you can give us a little bit of your money every month. And then we will give you stuff in return, like some stickers and some coasters and a bonus episode. It's coming out this week, kids. It is, because it's the end of February. Yeah, we got a lot of news. God, it's almost March 2021. I can't believe it. My birthday's today. Oh, the day this is coming out? Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Yay. Happy birthday to you. It's me. Happy birthday, Maggie. Yeah, that's who I am. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Yay. Another um, year older. Another year wiser. Yeah. <laughs> and for Maggie's birthday, you can purchase some fucking uh, merch. Yeah. From public yeah you buy can, some cool shit yeah you can go to instagram and go in our bio and there is a link to our t public mm -hmm. website and you can buy t-shirts and totes and baseball tees and mugs yeah and all that good stuff and sometimes they have sales and it's they might have a sale right now cheap i don't know they I don't i that. tried to order stuff today and i was like <laughs> it's full Not price sale. and shipping nope yeah Wait till there's a sale. Wait till there's, like there's a always sale. a sale. Yeah, seriously. That's the lovely thing about Tee Public. Yeah, there's yeah. at least a there's a sale at least once a month. At least, at least they said that in their email to <laughs> they us. They told us that. They promised. We it. got the word from the mouth. <laughs> anyway, yeah. all right. Get some stuff for Maggie's Get birthday. Get some swag, or just you know, I don't know. Just send me a good dick joke. Oh, that's good too. I'll That'll also make just up take for a it. funny dick joke. Dad jokes are fun too. Yeah, dad jokes, dick but jokes. But only if only if they're dad dick jokes. Is that a thing? I don't know. I you drank a lot. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up, kids. <laughs> but uh, we'll see you next week for another amazing episode about a lady. It's gonna be a good episode. We're gonna get angie. Oh good. we're gonna sit in a corner, don't talk to us because we angie. Alright, get ready to get angry, kids. Mm. But mm. until then, party on Ashley. Party on Maggie. That was lame, but That's okay. Good enough. <laughs> and party on yeah, crazy kids out there. Oh, I was 
from every woman. I dyed my hair. I'm in an elevator. And I dyed my hair. <laughs> <laughs>